Hey y'all, welcome back to Anything Goes and happy November. As we all know, it is Type 1 Diabetes Awareness Month and I am so excited to really delve into some important Type 1 topics and interviews each week this month and kind of just get it all off to a kickstart. But before I begin, in honor of Type 1 Diabetes Awareness Month, I do have merch, which you can find on my website, typicaltype1.org. We have some super cute sweatshirts coming in soon and a Pura Vita bracelet that's currently released. And there's eight left after the pre-order, which is so awesome. So if you're interested, part of those proceeds will go to JDRF, which is amazing. And yeah, with that being said, let's get started. So I tend to try to keep this podcast and my platforms pretty lighthearted. But at the end of the day, I mean, illness sucks. It sucks, and you're allowed to say it. But that doesn't mean you can't live one of the happiest and most successful lives out there, right? And I mean that. So today I wanted to talk about the key to happiness while living with a chronic illness and kind of how I've learned to go about this throughout the years. But before I begin, I do just want to throw out there that just like with anything, there is no checklist that says if you do all of these things, you'll be happy. Happiness isn't a one-size-fits-all, but I hope that sharing a few of these thoughts, I can maybe spark some inspiration or understanding or really just anything because those are kind of my main goals to get across with um, Type 1 this month. So first big thing, I think is to be able to distinguish your illness from yourself. And what do I mean by that? Own your illness without making it your identity. And how do you do that? By letting go. Let go of the expectations society has put around illness. Illness is not all-encompassing. People are going to experience the symptoms differently. They're going to react and be affected different emotionally. And whatever stigma society has somehow put on your illness, you do not have to be a representative of, right? So personally with type one, I found some big stigmas that I've heard throughout the years is the expectation of an eventual amputation or maybe not being able to eat sugar or weight, kind of all of those things in those categories. And when I was little, I remember reading up on how if you don't take care of your diabetes, blood issues could arise, which could lead to amputation. And I remember almost being brought to tears out of fear at like eight years old. (laughs) Like, that's ridiculous. And with this fear in mind, I remember just absolutely freaking out about being this perfect diabetic, which of course, stress is never a good mix with blood sugars. And... It's something I definitely had to learn how to grow out of. Like, yes, take care of yourself. That's a huge priority. But oh my goodness, we can't live in this great fear. And also, as I've already said, each of our bodies are so different. And we are in a new stage of medicine and technology. I mean, so much of what was true even 10 years ago doesn't even apply now. One quick little story time, which is actually what brought the stigma to mind is a little conversation I had with a coworker um, over this past summer. So I was in the back taking a quick lunch break and I was given some insulin. And one of my coworkers comes back for whatever reason and he's older, nice guy, but he looks at me giving my insulin and starts talking about his type two diabetic mother and how she recently had to have an amputation procedure done due to diabetic related issues. 
and I'm listening and I'm like, oh my goodness, I am so sorry to hear that. I can't imagine how hard that must be for her. And he's like, oh yeah, thanks. And you know, I'm, I'm surprised you're still standing on two legs. Enjoy it while it lasts. And he just starts laughing and keeps going about his business. And I'm just like stunned. I'm standing there and I'm like, like, what did he say? <laughs> like, sir, I am probably healthier than you are without diabetes. Like what? Now, I know he meant well, y'all, or at least I'm going to keep telling myself that, but these stigmas, you can't let them get under your skin and you can't believe them and let them define you. Now, onto that stigma of diabetics not being able to eat sugar. Here's another little story time. I remember in second grade, it was one of my classmates' birthdays, and she brought in those really, really good soft cookies with the good icing and the sprinkles. I know y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Those OG cookies. Absolutely fantastic. Anyways, her mom starts passing out the cookies, and I'm stoked. Everyone's mood is through the roof. And she gets to me, and I'm so excited for this cookie. <laughs> and um, she goes, oh, yeah, I'm so sorry, honey. You can't have sugar. And she hands me an apple. And I'm kind of sitting there like, what the heck? And I'm like, oh, no, like, actually, I can. And she cuts me off, and she's like, oh, no, honey. I'm doing what's best for you and your diabetes, and you and I both know you can't have the cookie. I'm so sorry. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, oh, do we both know that? I'm so glad we're on the same page, lady. Like, <laughs> what? But um, young kids watching that interaction, I mean, whether this is conscious or not, it kind of segregates you into this ill category. And you start feeling a little separated. And it's no one's fault, again. This is just that societal stigma around illness. It's crazy. So that's really my first big point, again, is to be able to separate yourself from your illness. Because if you look at society and understand that, oh yeah, I have this disease, so I should feel this way and be this way and act this way, I mean, it's going to harden your heart and change your identity. You cannot put identity into your illness. Yes, you have this disease and you're overcoming this disease and you should take pride in your little victories, but it does not define you. And separation of self from that disease is just such a big deal in that way. Okay, so another big point I wanted to make when finding happiness with a chronic illness is using your pain and turning it into power. Funneling energy. And I think the easiest way to explain this is that understanding that grief promotes growth if you let it. And I know I've talked about this before in previous episodes, but when you realize that you're losing something or have lost something, such as the beauties of a functioning pancreas, um, you grieve that loss. And that's normal. And I was diagnosed at a very young age, so I didn't really go through this in particular but maybe you're grieving your life before you were diagnosed with an illness, especially if that diagnosis occurred a lot later in your life. Those little bouts of negative thoughts, the why the heck did this happen to me energy, that is all so, so normal. But at the end of the day, it is all what you do with it when it comes to affecting the course of your life. Chronic illness is such a touchy subject because typically, I mean... 
it's not a time heals all type of thing, which is probably how I'd say is the best way to approach these types of emotions in a normal setting. But this is our 24-7 battle. And it is a drive through only matter. So if time can't heal, what do we do? Use that negative energy to your advantage. Make that negative energy your you-know-what. Turn that energy into something powerful and good. And I hope that makes sense. Um, Let me give a little example. Okay, so for instance, for my non-type 1 listeners, before I enter the competition arena with my horse, my nerves go crazy. But I've learned that if I take all that new bundled up energy and focus it all into sitting up a little straighter, pushing my heels down in the stirrups a little farther, focusing just a little harder, all that energy eventually has to be put into use and it will go away. Not only does it go away, but you get the benefit of using that energy to your advantage. Boom. Here's a type one example. Um, I remember visiting a newly diagnosed girl in the hospital. Man, I don't even know how long ago. Um, Many years ago. And she was the youngest diagnosed patient I had seen, even still to this day, at 18 months old. And I was pretty young myself, but I just remember it kind of being the first time I took a step back and was like, I mean, kind of mad. I remember just looking at my mom so upset, repeating to her like, no, she's too young. She's too young. I don't understand. And that was kind of my first realization that like, shoot, like this is real. This is affecting people. This disease is creating life situations far worse than mine. And I was outwardly hurting for her and for me and just really not understanding why the heck this stuff had to happen to people in life. And after this experience, I really started getting involved with JDRF and I decided that I was never going to feel sorry for myself ever again. And I was going to do whatever I could about this. So that following year, I gave my first gala speech and I did everything I could with my JDRF ambassadorship. And eventually Camp Courage came about several years later, which is awesome. But Literally, whenever I felt that why me or what the freaking heck energy kind of coming back, I delved so deeply into type one and used that energy kind of on the outside to attack it in my own way through helping others. Or even little things like if you're having a bad week of blood sugars, just take a breath and take that energy that is so out of your control and put it into something you can control. Go use it on a run or go lift or take it out on the piano or write. I don't know. Just funnel that out of control feeling into a controlled setting. Take advantage of the pain and turn it into something good. This sounds so cheesy, but it can be your superpower if you let it. It really can. Which kind of brings me into my next point. Outlets. And I've talked about this quite a few times now, so I won't get too deep into it. But the importance of having something you can put energy into and get something good out of is so important, especially when um, battling a demanding illness. You really have to learn how to keep yourself happy and be able to bring yourself back to a lighthearted state because all we really get to focus on is keeping our bodies healthy. So don't forget about the importance of a healthy mind too. 
have a few outlets you can fall back on. And outlets are fun, so that should be an easy one. And my very last point, when I think about the key to finding happiness with a chronic illness, is really just simply understanding that you are not alone and the fight is not over. It can be really easy to feel secluded and like you're going through a battle that people will never never understand. Um, I mean, type 1 especially, we're 5% of the diabetic population. And in the grand scheme of things, that is not a lot, but it's something. And people are living through your struggles and you are not alone. Um, I know diabetes camp was a big eye-opener for me growing up, just seeing everyone having to wear a device just like me, shaking through the lows just like me, just seeing that there were people happily living through life just like me was really big. And once you get that, just keeping that fire in your heart to fight is that last key piece. Last little story time to go with that, I promise, but... I was a big hula hooper in elementary school. And when the talent show came every year, oh, it was my time to shine. And I remember my mom asking me one day in the backyard how I did it. How the heck was I such a good hula hooper? And obviously this was all said in a very sarcastic manner. But you know, I took my hula hooping very seriously. And I told her that you have to have the courage to believe and to feel it in your heart. And then you could do it. You could be the best hula hooper. That was my little secret. Um, And that eventually actually became my JDRF slogan on everything. When the walks came around and whatnot, I'd have little tokens I'd pass out on my table that said, have the courage to believe and feel it in your heart. And that's such a stupid little story. And I didn't fully even understand the depth of what I was saying then. But that really is the key. You can't lose hope in your fight. And I choose to believe that good things come to good people and that you're only handed battles that you can handle. And I believe that if you can just find that courage to believe that one day we will find a cure. And I do believe we will. And your illness is just going to be a blip in the system. We are almost there, y'all. I believe in you. Keep up that fight. Keep up that happiness. If your illness wants to knock you five steps back, sprint 10 steps forward just because you can. And with all that being said, that's about all I have for today. But again, happy November and happy type 1 diabetes awareness month. Give your diabetic friends a little extra love in this month. They are awesome. You are all such fighters and I am so excited to keep spreading as much love as I can and awareness this month. All good things. Anyways, as always, for more information about all things type 1 or my nonprofit Camp Courage, Check out my Instagram at typicaltype1 or my website at typicaltype1.org. Thanks.